am now. Okay, so last week, if you weren't here last week, we talked about the direction that we felt like God was taking us over the next several weeks. Um, yes, sound mind. And, and why is it important that we have a sound mind? Anyone? Because God. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's always a good answer. Um, what we were going to be talking about is taking dominion, which is actually what God has what created us for, is to take dominion. But we can't go into new spaces of territory and take dominion if our mind isn't right, because we will falter for everything. So this week, as this week kind of unfolded, God made it very clear that we needed to move into more of a workshop style or intensive style of doing things over the next bit of time. And it was fun because I I get downloads and then Vince can turn it into like this whole thing because he has this army speak that I don't understand at all, but it makes (laughs) sense. (laughs) Don't ask me what any of the acronyms are. I don't know. I have to write notes. He just puts them up there on the board and then I have to make my own little notes. This means... (laughs) But I can't keep it straight. Nonetheless, it was really powerful to sit in it and understand that what God is wanting to do is help us to really walk through this and understand what transpires in our lives day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute, that we are always up against some sort of opposition. We are we are physical beings living in a spiritual world. Yes? Yes. Does that make sense? Do I need to bring any clarity to that? So there are all kinds of spiritual elements all around us. And because we are made to take dominion over things, there's going to be opposition that comes against us. Because like I I shared sometime this week or maybe last Sunday, don't remember when, that there are squatters on our land. There There are things, there are beings, entities, probably demonic, that have come in and squatted on our land. And so they're not going to just be like, oh, you're here now. Have it back. That's not how it works. In John 10, it tells us that the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. So if you think that there is not a violent attack against your life, you are wrong. Because there is. And, and honestly, I think that over time, we, we can look at one another's lives and go like, oh, my gosh. Like, there, there is a lot of opposition against your life, which is telling. The opposition in our lives is telling about what it is that we're called to do. And, and what we tend to do is come up against opposition and retreat. Mm-hmm. Or we come up against opposition and we allow that to throw us into a cycle that we have been in for pretty much the majority of our lives. We could probably look very closely and realize that the same cycle has been going on for the majority of our lives. Does it alter and look different? Yes. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it's the same giant that you're up against because it's the same opposition. And so what we've done is put together a, oh, we have worksheets right there. Yes. And so um, we did, we made worksheets. We, we made, you guys, we are like totally nerding out today because we even have PowerPoints we do. that I, I know, yeah. I know. Be impressed. <laughs> we put, we put a lot of thought into this and I'm sure that we're still missing some ingredients, but um, 
nonetheless, I think it'll be good for us to, so to walk through. This hand, uh, the the handout we've got going around here. Uh, you could also, if you're online with us, you can go uh, find it at the Unedited Life Online Facebook group. We tried to post it on the main page, but it won't let us put a file on there. So it is in that Unedited Life Online Facebook group. You can find that file there and uh, download that and follow along. All right. With that. We have to say hi to our friends. This is so fun. We do. <laughs> It's a little bit different. Pepper, Chris, Anne Marie, and Lisa are all on. So everybody say hi. Oh my gosh, that's so <laughs> fun. So fun. I love it. All right. Oh, Serenity, back there in the, the silver thing are pens. You want to bring the whole thing up? Great. Good. Thanks. Good thinking. Thanks for thinking of that. Yeah. All right. I do I do want to um let's um Pepper said somewhere on here that the enemy is not going to hand it over. Yeah. We have to take it. Oh, right mm -hmm. there. The enemy hands over nothing, she said. And then in all caps, we must take it. And that reminds me of we had a youth group years ago. And one of the first things that we did was make them march around the entire block where our church existed. And, and we chanted the entire time. What are we going to do? Take and then, the land. Take the land. How are we going to do it? Violently. Violently. <laughs> And, and it was a lot of fun. We were playing and we were being super silly, but there is so much truth in that, that it, it's ours to take. It's ours to take. But like Pepper said, the enemy's not going to just hand it over. That's right. We have to, we have to take a, a violent stance and know what's ours. Mm -hmm. All right. So... What we're looking at, and you can see on those sheets, and if you're looking on the handout, uh, we're talking about navigating opposition and cycles that are covering up our promises. And and we use the illustration today. What we're what we're going to talk through is looking at Israel coming out of Egypt, the opposition they faced, the the cycles uh, of response that they had, and, and how it just continues to play out. And, and you could see it. Like Angie was talking about in, in our own lives, when you look at your life, you can see the different cycles that keep coming up. The opposition may change, but the cycle stays pretty close. Pretty close. And, and then also looking at what is the promises that are given by God that are covered up by the, by the opposition that, that sends us into these cycles that keep us moving in the opposite direction of promise. All right, so the, the first thing we're going we're gonna to look at here is is opposition so you can go one more there john all right so when we look at opposition you can see oh keep going one more there you go keep going yeah, yeah one more there you go all right you're with us okay yes this is hard to see we will get this uh we can get this out to you later so yeah <laughs> so with the opposition we, we we started looking at this and we wanted to look at this from the opposition first it, it helps us uh by being informed about what the enemy is doing and then how that pushes us into certain cycles and, and you can see this over and over again and so as you start to to recognize it you you see this is the most likely thing that that is going to come up against me because it sends me into a certain cycle every time. And, and these are things that we, we allow. 
right? This is manipulation that's used against us, right? And, and it, it's, it's some of the different things. And when you look at uh, Israel as they moved out of Egypt into the, to the desert, right? It was, it was somewhat inhospitable, right? And they faced some hardships. But, but these are, are, are different things that were coming against them but it was sending them off into certain cycles, right? And so um, they had perceived giants. We know that when the spies went into the promised land, they came back and 10 said, we are like grasshoppers in our own sight. They viewed themselves as small because of what they were focused on, which was a cycle of not looking to the promise and not looking at what it is that God was telling them and showing them, and speaking over them, and declaring over them, and, and, and saying, this is what is yours. And two, only two came back saying, we're looking at the giant fruit, right? So the perceived giants that they were facing. And there was, there was a longing for uh, the familiar and the predictable that was coming against them, because we know they grumbled to want to go back into bondage, right? They, they looked for that familiarity, that they had in the predictable nature of their their lives they wanted that and they wanted to go back for it they, they longed for also for that tangible thing something they could hold on to and see which we saw when they uh gathered all the gold and, and made a golden calf to worship they needed something that they could see and touch and hold on to because that's what they they saw modeled for them in egypt so that's the opposition that was coming against them. And, and so what, what we do in moments of opposition, if, if we don't have a sound mind, we, we only know to lean into fear, right? To lean into to what is familiar in the bondage. And, um, and so for them, they, they had been in, in bondage. They had been in slavery in Egypt for so long that they forgot why they were there in the first place. Israel was brought into Egypt as part of the promise. We know that, that Joseph was put in Egypt to, to be able to shelter Israel from the famine that was coming and they were provided for and, but they forgot, they forgot the God of provision they forgot the, the, the true identity of their God, and they began to form him based on their current surroundings instead of their history with him. So we all have history with God. Have all of you been raised in a Christian home? Mm-hmm. No, we haven't all been raised in a Christian home, right? That doesn't alter your history with God. We were all spoken into existence on the same day. Our foundation is the same. We might have more stuff, more garbage, if you will, covering up that stuff in layers. And we have to get past all that stuff to get to the history that we have in God. We were spoken into existence and he held us within, the Bible says, in his bosom, right? We were held there as spirit beings, but we have more history with God that we can rely on and lean back into than our history on the earth. The majority of us in the room are under the age of 25. Did you say, yeah, I am. 
<laughs> That's hilarious. And, and so, so we actually have more history, thousands of years with God than we actually do as physical beings. I don't know if that's helpful for you, but it's helpful for me in times of opposition where I can go, wait, hold on a minute. I have history with God that goes way beyond anything that is opposing me right now. Yes? Yes. Lisa, I see your question. You're asking if we could put that list of opposition back up uh, or say it out loud. What we're going to do here in a little bit, and we could have said this up front, this the sheet that we've handed out and the one that you could download from the Facebook group, this is going to be for you to start recording the opposition that's coming against you. Start looking at the cycles that, that it pushes you into and what promise God has given you that's being covered up there. And so we're going to get personal with this here in a minute. So this, what we have outlined on these slides is an example that we can look at. And, and say, okay, this is, I can see how this works. I can see the opposition that came against Israel when they left Egypt, what that drove them to do, these cycles of behavior that it pushed them into and they allowed to happen and what was being covered up. So now we'll move on to looking at the cycles. And you can build on that, John, there. Please. All right. So the cycles. You can look at at what the opposition was and and see how it pushed them into these cycles. They had this this scarcity mindset that there wasn't enough, right? Even though God was providing every single day for them, He wasn't just providing food. He was also providing direction. They knew when to move. They knew when to stop. Everything that they needed was provided for them, yet they still had this scarcity mindset that there wasn't enough. And we could see that, you know, they, they were looking to go back to the familiarity of bondage. Talked about that a minute ago. There was grumbling. They wanted to go back to Egypt because they knew what was going on there. It was predictable. Every single day they knew what they were going to be doing. They knew that they were, they were taken care of. In, in somebody's strength that they could see. They didn't have to rely on God who they couldn't see necessarily in, in physical form, even though they're provided for every single day. It was it, the, the provision was fresh every morning for them. They could get up and say, and, and look and point to, this is the provision that's given to me by God. And we can do the same thing. We can get up every morning and and have the question answered, what is it what is it you're doing today, God? What are you saying today? And we can move in that. We can't be looking to the familiarity of, of bondage and wanting to uh, give up our freedom and, and relinquish what it is that Jesus provided for us on the cross to go back to beforehand. I want to say something here because we, we can, it's really obvious to look at the story of Israel being brought out of Egypt and the longing for like, just send us back to Egypt. You brought us out here for what purpose? We know that they actually could have made it through the wilderness into the promised land in 40 days. And the reason we can point to that and know for sure is because Jesus was also led out into the wilderness 
and he was there for 40 days and he met opposition in the wilderness and he overcame it. So even Jesus, the moment that you think that you're not going to have any opposition in your life is the moment that you've missed it because Jesus Christ himself came up against opposition, but he overcame it. He, he didn't spend 40 years in the wilderness. He spent 40 days in the wilderness because his mind was sound. He had been washed with the water of the word. He knew the history that he had with the father he knew the appropriate response was, I lean on the Father, right? And, and you can go and read the story about Jesus being led into the wilderness, and, and you should. Go and read what the tactics were that the enemy used against him. Go and read about the opposition that he was faced with. But every oppositional moment that came up against him, he had a truth response that moved him into the promise rather than into a cycle that kept him in the wilderness for 40 years. Is that helpful? Okay, I, I did skip over this one, editing people, and Lisa was asking about it. So uh, when we look at the, the opposition tactic of manipulation and, and how it affects us, when we get, not all the time, but a lot of times, when we get uncomfortable, when we are... Um, having things exposed and we are broke open, it's a vulnerable place. And there's, there's two responses to that. One is, yes, God, I see that. What, what do I need to do about it? Where, where do I go from here? The other response is to uh, stay hidden, try to close it back up and start pointing to other people. So we want to start meddling in other people's lives or we want to start pushing things off on, onto others. We want to start going after what it is that they're doing and trying to edit them. I'll just give you a real life example. I, I, there have been moments in my life where I'm very clear about what it is that God has said about me and his intention in that season to use me. And opposition sometimes looks like the people in your lives editing that washing that, you know, kind of watering it down and making it sound like, oh, that's not actually who you are kind of thing. And, and so it's actually, stay with me. It, it is a demonic attack. It is a demonic thing that is coming against us to hold us in containment, saying like trying to give us permission to not be as big as God is asking us to be. It, I know we all have lofty thoughts of ourselves, especially if you are my offspring. You think you are the best thing that has ever happened to the world. But the thing is, is you're not actually playing as big as you believe you are. Mm -hmm. Because the moment that, that you step out, there's going to be opposition in familiar voices that are going to attempt to edit you based on their knowledge of you. And mostly their knowledge of you is not as holy as they think that it is. Does that make sense? Does that make sense, Lisa? Yeah. <laughs> Pepper said, I think if we are not experiencing opposition right now, we are out of step with God's heart, his intentions. Amen. That, that, and that's totally part of the promise. Opposition is promised. It's guaranteed. All right, so we, we talked about the, the um, familiarity of bondage. And in that longing for the tangible, they crafted a God they could see, like we talked about. They gathered up the gold, 
They melted it down. They made this, this golden calf so they could worship it, which to us this day and age just seems odd. It, it seems weird, especially in, in our society. But for them, for whatever reason, they seem like that, to them, that, that felt like the right thing to do. That they wanted to have this tangible uh, uh, object that they could worship rather than leaning on the faith that God was taking care of them. Even though Moses had been up on the mountain for a long time. And so they, cre- they craved that, and so they crafted a, a God they could see because that, that longing for tangible was, was a tactic of the enemy that came against them. And, and in all of this, you can look at their response to different things, the words they use, and you can see that there was an orphan mentality that was coming out of them. The scarcity mindset that said, there's not enough. I, I need this tangible thing so I can, I can feel, I can hold, I can take hold of something. I, I need to be told what to do. I can't handle the freedom that God has promised us. So I need to get back into bondage. I need to get back underneath something rather than stepping up. And we can see that cycle in ourselves. Rather than standing up and saying, yes, I am part of the royal priesthood. Yes, I have authority as a son of God. We'll shrink back. So just to better understand Israel and the things that were going on in their minds, we know that Moses would have what was called tent of meetings. So he had a tent that was set up away from people a little bit because the glory of God would come and meet with him in this tent. And and there was only one in all of Israel. There was only one person outside of Moses that was interested in what was going on. And it was Joshua. And he would go and he would sit because proximity matters Mm -hmm. so much. Like our proximity to the Father matters. So, so Joshua, would, he was so hungry for the presence of God that he wanted to be wherever it was that Moses was because he knew that Moses was considered a friend of God. And then the story plays out, and God invites Moses to come up on the mountaintop to meet with him. And it says, as a friend meets with a friend. And he told Moses, hide yourself in the cleft of the rocks. He didn't want to kill him. And, <laughs> and, and my presence will pass by you. And, and what happened from there is Moses came down from that experience with God and all of Israel is like, oh my gosh, like veil yourself because like they, they felt themselves dying. They felt themselves perishing from the presence of God that was shining off of Moses. Why is that? This is where I want you to understand how powerful our minds are. It wasn't because that physically their physical frame wasn't capable of handling glory. We were made to handle glory. But if our minds are not right, because our minds are powerful, say my mind is powerful. Mind is powerful. So making that disagreement in their minds that that God wasn't for them, and that it was better for them to go back to Egypt, to go back to bondage, to go back to slavery, meant that their minds were not sound. 
So because of their minds, they perceive the glory as something dangerous. Isn't this bizarre? We do this. This happens to us all the time where we're, we're shunning the thing that's actually for our benefit and we're longing for the thing that's familiar just because it's familiar, even though it's dangerous. That's that Egypt was more dangerous to them physically than the glory would have been, but they were rejecting the glory because of their belief system, because of their, their, their thought life. Is that helpful? All right. So now let's move on to the promise. So we know the promise was, we always hear the promised land, right? This, the, the, the lush land that had giant fruit that was going to sustain them. We know that uh, freedom was promised. Absolutely. Right? They, they, they were brought out of slavery, out of a situation where they were being beaten so they would work harder. They were being uh, brutalized so they could produce more. But they were brought out of that. Brought out from under that situation and told, you get to be in charge now. You have the freedom. And here, here is the land that is going to sustain you in that freedom. They were given blessings and prosperity. We know that that is a promise to them, that they would be blessed, that they would be prosperous. And that was something that was, was promised from the very beginning. From the very beginning of time, we have blessing and prosperity promised to us. You know, the protection and guidance was there. And, and we talked about this as they're moving through the wilderness, there was guidance there all the time. They were, they were constantly being guided where to go, when to stop, when to move. Moses was providing guidance in his leadership. And that there was protection there as well. I mean, you can't just wander through the wilderness for 40 years without some kind of protection. So, uh, Just really quick. Um, so as they came out, Israel is surrounded by the supernatural, right? Like there's, there's a pillar of fire that's leading them by night and a cloud that's covering them by day, protecting them. They see the, the sea completely parted. I, I don't know the last time that you stood at a seashore and, and the, the waters just parted a, a pathway wide enough for an entire nation to cross over. And it's dry. And it's dry. Like, and then you turn around once you get over and then you see your enemy washed away. Once the water closes in on them, anybody? No, not often. Okay, it's it's rare. So they're seeing miracle after miracle after miracle happen. But here's the deal, you guys: miracles aren't enough. The supernatural isn't enough. It didn't change their mind. So I don't want us to be a people that are longing for God to show His hand. Only, yes, we want that. We want the miracles. We want the supernatural. But if our minds aren't right, it's not going to do anything for us. We have to have sound minds. Sorry, I just needed to. No, that's definitely necessary. The last couple of things here. Covenant relationship. We know that was promised. 
that he would be their God and they would be his people. Right? There, there's a connection there that he wanted to have with them, a, a relationship that he desired that they would be close. Like, like what Andrew said when, when Moses was meeting with God on the mountain, the friend meets with a friend. That's, that's the closest he wanted. He wanted an intimate relationship. He's prepared to sacrifice everything for that relationship. Also, sonship. We, we cannot talk about promise without talking about sonship. Without being, uh, without having an understanding of being brought into the family. If we can't get to a point where we can see ourselves in the family, then, then it's going to have you're going to have a hard time. Uh, saying, yes, I can exercise authority. I know what I have available to me, and I can move in that. If I can't see myself first as a son, if I can't see myself as part of the family, that is part of the promise. And we have to really, really grab that and take hold of it. So what you can see when, we, when you look at these stories, and in particular the one we're laying out today with, with the nation of Israel coming out of Egypt, moving out of bondage through the wilderness with guidance and protection all the way into the promised land where they continue to have favor and blessing just bestowed on them as they go and start taking the territory. You can see it when they, they march around Jericho and how that city is, is brought down without weapons of natural warfare. You could see in this story the most likely things that is brought against them as opposition and what it is that they turn to. And you can start looking at your own life and saying, okay, what's brought at me as opposition and what do I turn to over and over again in response to that? Because again, you're going to have one of two responses. You can either say, yes, I'm broke open. Thank you, God, for that. And start looking at what it is that he's actually exposing and start working through that with Holy Spirit. Or you can have the other response and hide from it and start hiding from everyone around you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the opposition is actually for our good. Say opposition benefits me. Okay, now say it with some like passion. Opposition. Opposition. Benefits me. Benefits me. It does. It's actually, it's for our good. It, it reveals something in us. It, it can uncover things that God's wanting to remove and or, and, or it will also reveal courage and bravery that's in us. And the opposition will actually reveal your promise if you can stand. And we know that one of the things that God said to us last Sunday was, I want a people who have a sound mind so that when they're in the middle of opposition, because we're going in to take land, right? We're establishing dominion. And we do that through being able to host praise fest. We have to, we have to be a people of praise. 
because it's upon the praises of his people that he establishes his throne. And with his throne comes his authority. What is the whole point of us existing? That heaven would come to earth, right? We want the takeover of, of what exists in heaven to exist on the earth. And he does it through us. Say, I am an ambassador. I am an ambassador. He has, God has chosen to partner with us as ambassadors to release his authority on the earth. And that is done by facing opposition, hosting a praise fest so that the, his throne can be established in that location. And now we have dominion. Does this make sense? Is anybody excited about this? I mean, when I, when I talk about this, when God reveals things like this, I'm like, bring it on, right? Am I saying I do it 100%? <laughs> Not at all. I have weak knees. You know what I'm saying? Like I get out there and I'm like, oh, I'm irritated. But what if instead we became a people of praise and we're like, oh, I see you. This is exciting. There's promise underneath this. And, and we are those who say, you are worthy. In this place of opposition, you are worthy. And his throne oh, is established on our praises in that space. And now we have dominion. Mm. <laughs> That's good. So like Angie said, the, the opposition, it's going to point you to promise. Because whatever, whatever there is in opposition, it, it's trying to cover up promise. And so as, as we uh, look at this next, John, you can build on that right here. we got three questions that go along with this. And the first one is that who told you question? Who told you that you belong in a certain cycle? Right? If... if Opposition sends you into a cycle that is not um, building you up, not causing you to rise up and stand in sonship. If it's causing you to go the other way, who told you that you belong in that? I, I just want to, to remind you of where this question comes from. When Adam and Eve ate of the fruit from the tree that God said, don't eat, the first thing that they understood was their own nakedness and they hid from God, which is funny, but they hid from God and God came anyway. And, and the first question he asks them is who told you you were naked? You know? And so that's where this question stems from is who told you that you belong in that cycle? What have you believed about yourself that didn't come from God? And when you're looking at the opposition, what is the attempted cover-up? What is being covered up? What promise is yours that is being covered up by this opposition? You can start to uncover that. You can start to look and say, okay, if this is coming against me, it's likely that the, the opposite, whatever is, is good, is what is promised to me. And then the last question, how are you living as the head and not the tail? 
this is going to help you start to see the cycles and say, okay, am I actually taking action that is coming from a place of authority and sonship? Or am I coming from a place that is being moved by the opposition and being moved by the opposition in a way that they want, in, as the way the enemy wants me to be moved? You know that the, the tail doesn't wag the dog, right? So how are you living as the head and not the tail? If you're living as the tail, okay, you recognize it and you move forward. Holy Spirit, how do I need to move forward from this to live as the head and not the tail? What opposition is coming at me that's sending me into this cycle of living in that manner. What should I be looking at as the promise that I'm moving towards? Three important questions. Who told you that you belong in that cycle? What is the attempted cover-up? And how are you living as the, the tail? Or, excuse me, how are you living as the head and not the tail? That's what we want you to be able to get into with these worksheets. To take an honest look at your own cycles, your, the opposition that's coming up against you, because we're all facing it. Whether you want to admit it or not, whether you want to believe it or not, opposition's coming against you. If, if you're in a lukewarm place where you aren't 100% uh, living for Jesus, you're, you're succumbing to some opposition there. And guaranteed, absolutely promised, when you make that decision to start living 100% for Jesus and stepping out and doing the things that he's showing you doing and saying the things that you hear him speaking, opposition is going to get stronger. Guaranteed. And it may not come in the same form that you've seen before. It may shift and come in a different way. But you need to be able to quickly recognize it. Who told you you belong in that cycle? What is the attempted cover-up here when that opposition comes up against you? As far as the cover-up goes, another way to look at that is what is the enemy attempting to rob from you? And, and are you okay with it? You know? I think that if we ask ourselves these questions in the appropriate way, there should be some indignance that rises up in us like, oh my gosh, that's mine. You can't have that. And again, it, it's revealed in scripture that the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. What's he stealing that's yours? Your stuffed animals and your toys. Seriously, like this is real. We, we, are, we are those because the end of that verse says, but Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. So what is the abundant life that is yours that's being stolen from you? So we have to better understand what the cover up is 
And that's what the opposition does, right? It covers things up and doesn't want us to see the promise, wants to scare the bejesus out of us so we run and hide. But the thing is, it's, it's, it's a defeated enemy. It's a defeated enemy. Can we just remember that? And that's why we did the song, for those of you that weren't in the room, we did um, Victoria Wren's Ascend track. And, and everything in that song is from scripture. It's, it's by the blood. It is by the word and it is by the spirit that we ascend to our rightful place. We are kings and we are priests. But mostly, we act like the tail, right? We act like the orphan. We act like those who are down and out and, and have lost it all. Woe is me. We lead with, well, you know, how are you today? Well, and we list off the, the litany of everything that has gone wrong in the last 24 hours. And we make much of it forgetting the one who's worthy to be made much of. Mm. Yes? So it's by, it's by the... He, he's on it today. <laughs> it, it's by the word that our minds begin to be washed and thinking the right things. I want us to be a people who are quick in our minds to recognize, oh, this is opportunity. Not, oh, I can't wait till I tell so-and-so what just happened. You know I'm right. But we are a weapon in and of ourselves. God has weaponized us for his kingdom. The big question is, is what are we going to do about it? I, oh, I, when you're talking about that, I think about Graham Cook talked about opposition that comes up. And yeah, he can't wait to tell people about it, but it's excitement. It's not coming from a place of victimhood. It's coming from a place of victory. Oh, check out what just happened to me. Yep, I got a problem. And guess what? That means there's promise out there. And that's what they go hunting for. They're not, they're not talking to each other uh, as friends to invite them into wallow into the mess of whatever the problem is. It's inviting them in to say, look at this. Look at the promise over here, the opportunity that's coming up. And, and this is a question we ask a lot. What's the opportunity in this situation? Sometimes it's hard to remember that when, when uh, things look dire. But if you can stop for one moment have that praise fest and start looking for opportunity. Start looking for promise. We are those who go from faith to faith, glory to glory, victory to victory. Why? To put on display what it is that Jesus Christ accomplished when he declared it is finished. This is why. The Lamb of God is worthy to receive the reward of his suffering. What is his reward? You and I putting his victory on display. Yes, he defeated the enemy. And yes, he wants to continue to parade that victory.
through you and I. It's that simple. And that's exciting that he would choose us to put his victory on display. That he has, he has so much faith, so much stock in you and I that he trusts us to step out into the opposition to put his victory on display. That's what's available for us, but it's going to take a sound mind. Mm-hmm. And to get there, we have to be, in Ephesians 5, Paul lays out, you know, husbands, do this for your wives. And then he just can't help himself. He's like, like Christ does for his bride. He says that, that he washes her mind with the water of his word. And you can feel the intimacy in it. Where it's like, I care for her so much that I lavish her in the washing of the word. So you have to get into your Bible so that we can better understand his nature, his character. And then we use that, we weaponize scripture, which is how Jesus got out of the wilderness in 40 days rather than 40 years. He weaponized scripture. He weaponized his father's words to combat the opposition that came against him. Open your Bibles and start reading. Start applying the things that are in there. And don't just read it to did it. Ask Holy Spirit, weaponize me with your word. Yes. And don't wait. Pepper commented, looks like homework with Holy Spirit time. Yes. But don't wait. Do this immediately, today. Because if you wait, there's going to be something else that comes up. There's going to be opposition that comes up. And it's going to try to distract you and send you into a cycle of not getting into your word. Not following through on, on the invitation that's been opened up to you. Don't wait. Do this today. Sit down. What is the opposition coming against me? What cycles does that send me towards? And what promises are being covered up or attempted to be covered up? from this opposition. So you have a worksheet. Some of you have been filling them out as, you, as you've gone. And we did the digital just for you. <laughs> I With told, you in mind. Yeah, I told Spencer, like, the younger generation is going to want something for their device. And he's, he's like, so should we post it on Instagram? I said, it's Mike. <laughs> Mike, Mike is going to want access to a digital copy. So, yes, just for you <laughs> and for anybody else out there that, that utilizes that kind of thing. I don't know how to. I guess I don't. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so, you guys, take these worksheets home or download them and, and really sit with Holy Spirit in this. Ask him. Reveal the opposition that is in my life right now. Reveal my go-to, the cycle, right? It's always one thing. It's always the one thing that we use to numb. Always. It's the one thing. Whether that's substance, whether that is TV, whatever, scrolling. Maybe we have multiple vices that, that we utilize to, to really just hide from that thing. And then ask him to reveal the promise that sits underneath the opposition, 
we need to know both. We have to know what we need to turn our backs on and what we need to run toward. And then find scripture to back it up. Because that'll be helpful. Because then you have a weapon to use against the opposition to uncover your blessing, your promise. Is this helpful? That's it. Yes, we will we will continue next week. We'll continue throughout the week with the, the lives. Um, if you are looking for a place to start, if you haven't already, Romans 1 through 8. Yeah, read the whole book. That's what we're focusing on, though, over the next few weeks. And so uh, more tomorrow, Wednesday, Friday. Tuesday. So, all right. If you are if you are not in the unedited life online group, feel free to, to join that. Mike and Christy are in there. Lisa's occasionally in there, and um, I and like really no pressure, but like it, Mike said a prayer this morning, <laughs> and it, we weren't live yet. But he said a prayer, and it was so pastoral that it was like, I mean, we need that. Yeah. We, I need that because I get, I get profit brain and, and forget that people are people. <laughs> and, um, and, and his prayer reframed something for me that needed to be reframed. And, and so thank you. Mm -hmm. But I... I am, this is what, this is what I love about the fivefold and we need, it's not a hierarchical system. We need the body to be the body. We need the fivefold so that we have a better full picture of who God is without the pastoral, without the teacher, without the prophet, the apostle, the evangelist, we're missing out on a facet of God's character, his nature. And so we need the people that are going to be like, and grounded, you know? And so I'm curious, I'm super curious, and your minds are probably already working, like how, how, does, how does the same information come through that pastoral vein? Because we, we need it. We need the, the practicality of the pastoral. And, and the pastoral isn't just about gathering and kissing sheepies. It's not. Like their job is to weaponize from a different space. Yes? So... You can put on notice. <laughs> so stay tuned. What time? It's Tuesday morning. Tuesday, 930 Central Time. Yes. For those of you in other lands. Unedited Life Online Facebook group. Yes. So that's exciting. Anyway, be blessed, friends. <laughs>